Friends, today we begin a new summer sermon series from the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book found in the Bible that historically follows God's blessing of Abraham and his descendants found in the book of Genesis. But this leads the Israelites into this land called Egypt. The end of Genesis tells the story of Joseph, Jacob's youngest son, whom his brothers sell into slavery to a group of wanderers. Now, originally their jealousy of Joseph, who bragged that he could interpret dreams and that one day his brothers would bow down to him, led his brothers to want to kill him. But thankfully, cooler heads prevailed and they threw him into a cistern and eventually sold him to a group of wanderers. Returning home, they slaughtered a goat and they took his coat and ripped it apart and dipped it into the goat's blood and then gave it to their father, pretending as if they had found it, which led their father, Jacob, to believe that Joseph had been killed by a ferocious animal. But the truth is, is that Joseph is not dead. Instead, he's taken to Egypt and sold as a slave there. And it's here that Joseph begins to gain favor and eventually is exalted to second in command of all of Egypt. And despite being falsely accused of attempted rape and being thrown in prison, God redeems Joseph by giving him the ability once again to interpret dreams. In doing so, Joseph is able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams that no one else is really able to do, revealing that there would be seven years of wonderful abundance of harvest in the land that would prepare Egypt and all of Israel for seven years of great famine. And so Pharaoh, hearing this interpretation and remembering Joseph, Uh, exalts him once again to a high status and puts him in command of Egypt's harvest, storage, and distribution during the famine. As things would have it, uh, God is at work behind the scenes, and Israel, Jacob, sends his sons to Egypt during the famine to purchase grain because they have none where they are. In doing so, these brothers encounter Joseph, but do not recognize him. But Joseph recognizes them. And after some back and forth between them, Joseph finally reveals who he is to them and offers forgiveness. He tells them, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. For it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph is able after time to see what they meant for evil, used for good by God to save his family and to preserve all of Israel. For God had promised his great-grandfather Abraham that he would bless him in order to be a blessing, that he would make his people as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. But this famine had the potential to kill off the Israelites, nullifying God's promise. And so the book of Exodus begins with the story of God's deliverance of the Israelites from famine and extinction to the land of Egypt where they were given land near Goshen to settle and live. The problem now, though, is that Joseph, his father and his brothers and his family, and even the Pharaoh who was with him during that time are all dead. And we are told that a new Pharaoh comes to rule. 
Exodus says, then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. And this king feared the Israelites because they had become so numerous in the land. He feared that they would increase in number and eventually outnumber them and then join an adversary and wage war against them. And so out of fear, the king orders the Egyptians to enslave them, forcing them to do hard labor, to use brick and mortar to build storehouses and pyramids, for them to do work in the fields, all kinds of hard manual labor in their fields. And the place where Egypt had once been a safe haven and a blessing of deliverance for the Israelites from starvation, it became a place of oppression and of great tribulation. But despite the king's attempts to rule with a heavy fist, the Israelites continued to be fruitful and increase in number. Exodus 1.12 tells us, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Well, this eventually leads the king to order two of the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, to kill every Hebrew male born after childbirth. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. These women were boldly defiant to the king who could take their life at any moment. But they feared God and they chose not to do what the king had decreed. And even though they defy the king's command, God protects them. Now they make up a story to the king telling him that, uh, you see, the Egyptian women are different from the Hebrew women because the Hebrew women, they give birth very quickly before the midwives can even come in and help them. And yet in the midst of this story, Pharaoh does not take their lives. God protects them and also blesses them with families of their own. Once again, the Israelites continue to increase in number despite the wickedness of the king. But finally, the king orders his own men, the Egyptians, to carry out the task that the midwives failed to accomplish, to throw every male child into the Nile River to drown them. Needless to say, this chapter does not end on a happy note. Pharaoh is exercising his power based on fear of the other among them. He sees Israel as a threat to his kingdom and he does everything in his power to hold them down, to treat them as less than and to make them subservient to him. Unfortunately, this is the awful reality of a sinful and broken world. Absolute power can corrupt absolutely. And Pharaoh is brutally oppressing the Israelite families with forced labor and committing genocide in order to maintain power. Now, I'm sure that the Israelites cried out in anger and wondered where God was in the midst of their suffering. Why did God lead them to Egypt to face their destruction? What had they done to deserve such punishment? And how long would God allow this to continue? There's no doubt that what Israel experienced has reared its ugly head more times than one can count in the world. We read about it again in the book of Esther when Haman tries to annihilate all the Jews, getting the king to put forth an edict. We read about it when Jesus is born and King Herod decrees that all the male babies should be slaughtered in order to kill this king of the Jews. We are reminded of this even in our own contemporary time when Adolf Hitler intends to kill all of the Jews during the Holocaust. Uh, 
But even here in America, the home of the free, we've dealt with the realities of oppression, of chattel slavery, of the civil rights movement and the continued issues of racism and hatred that have sparked such movements such as Black Lives Matter. The empire or the state can decree all kinds of terrible fear-based laws which oppress and keep down those considered to be the other among us. But truthfully, most of us have never experienced the type of oppression that Israel faced under Pharaoh. But we have experienced moments when we've wondered where God is in the midst of our own suffering. There are moments when we wonder if God is leading us to our own destruction, if God really cares about us, if he really hears us or even sees what we're going through. And yet, the good news is that God is sovereign and does not remain idle in our distress. You see, our unison reading today from Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, reminds us that God has not left us in the lurch. God encounters Moses from a burning bush, saying to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Did you happen to catch what God said to Moses? He says he has seen their misery. He has heard their cries. He is concerned about their suffering and he has come down to rescue them. These are not words from some transcendent God who creates the world into being and then leaves it alone to fend for itself. These are the words of an eminent God who comes close to us, who is in relationship with his people. For it is God who says that he has seen the misery of my people, those that he has claimed as his very own. God is not okay with the injustices that have burdened them and held them down. God will rescue them. He will deliver them, just as he used Joseph as his chosen instrument to save Israel from famine. But this time he will use Moses, his chosen instrument, to participate in his redemptive work to lead his people out of slavery and into a new life of freedom. You see, God cannot break his own promises. Otherwise, God is not the truth. God promised Abraham in Genesis that he would increase his people greatly and give them a special land in which they would prosper. And despite the injustice of slavery and Pharaoh's attempt to decrease the Israelites, God has still kept his promise to increase them greatly. And now God identifies and recognizes their misery. He hears their cries and like a mother who will do anything to protect her children, God comes to their rescue. God will not let Israel down. Their suffering will not end in despair, but in joy and freedom to serve the Lord who has claimed them as his very own. But in this very moment, Israel struggles and hopes that God will respond they don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. They can only see their suffering and despair in the moment. And I find that this same feeling rings true for so many who feel oppressed with chronic illnesses, 
Those who seem to take one step forward and yet two steps backwards. Those who struggle to make ends meet each passing day. And those who wonder how long injustice will truly prevail. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest because of the trees, isn't it? And I find that we cannot predict the future, but we do have faith in the one who holds the future in the palm of his hands. But even our faith can be tested and we can experience moments in which we truly wonder why God is not responding to our cries for help. But if God is who he says he is, if he's really the way, the truth, and the life, then we can be rest assured that God is not abandoning us or leaving us to struggle alone. God sees our misery. God hears our cries. He cares about our suffering. And he has come down to rescue us. God will make an exodus happen. He will deliver us from our infirmities. He will deliver us from our misery. And he will turn our tears into joy. Friends, the good news is that God is not idle, nor is he asleep. He is committed to his people. And he will make a way when it seems like there is no way that can be found. You see, God is faithful forever. He is perfect in love. And he is sovereign over all of us. And he can take what the enemy means for evil and he can use it for our good. Isn't that what Joseph declared to his brothers? The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber indeed. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Does this sound like an idol God to you? No. It's a God who is always watching over us, who is never asleep when things are going on in the midst of our lives, who offers us shade when the sun is scorching and blazing, and who watches our coming and going, not just now, but absolutely forever. This is the same God who watches over you, who hears your cries, who sees your suffering and who has come to rescue you in Jesus Christ. God will provide an exodus for the Israelites and God provides a new exodus for all of us. You see, when we find ourselves wondering where God is, if God hears us, whether God will do anything about it, we have the comfort of God's own words that he's on it long before we ever ask. Remember, God cannot lie to us. So friends, in the moments when we struggle... When life gets really hard and we wonder if God is watching or refuses to hear our cries for help, may we remember this important truth and wholly trust in the one who comes to rescue us, to deliver us from everything that oppresses us and will make a way 
leading us into his marvelous freedom and joy. May we remember this, for it is the truth of who God is and how God loves each and every one of us. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.